You're listening to the uh, No What a Methodist podcast, and this is Jeffrey Rickman. I'm the pastor here. Glad you're listening. Uh, we uh, we mostly use our podcast at this point just to air our time as a congregation, making our way through the Word on an average Sunday morning. Christians have always given uh, a primary role to Scripture in our lives together, and worship. Uh, cannot really rightly be done without scripture. So we spend a good deal of time and energy um, in the scriptures together and, and making sure that they determine our identity in Christ and our identity together. But the, the church is active outside of, of that explicit process throughout the week. We do a, a number of things. Uh, we care for one another. There have been a couple people in the hospital we've cared for this week and uh we also uh, are considering ways that we can continue to minister to the community around us. And um, if you follow the church on Facebook or um, if you're a part of our, well, I started a Substack this week and I've, I've been putting out um, some documents related to a part-time position I've been trying to put out uh, with a ministry I've kind of imagined around uh, women encouraging one another by uh, preparing meals together for their families and um, encouraging one another in faith and praying together and helping each other alleviate stress and anxiety in their lives. Um, anyway, uh, we've we've designed a lot of it, but the, the seed money isn't there yet. So if that's something that you would like to look into, I would just uh, urge you to find us on Facebook, Nowata uh, United Methodist Church, or um, go and sign up for my Substack. I'm at uh, jeffreyrickman.substack.com is what it should be. Um, so anyway, or just email the church, nowatamethodists at gmail.com. We're, we're pretty easy to get a hold of. You found our podcast, obviously. So anyway, isn't the internet just a wonderfully, uh, it makes things easier at the same time as it makes things more complicated. And... <laughs> Half the times I'm pulling my hair out, and half the time I go, man, this is really cool that we can do this. So anyway, speaking of cool things we can do with modern day technology and internet, um, you're going to listen to the proclamation of the word in the next few minutes. So I hope you enjoy your time. This is uh, a reflection on how it is that Christians suffer in light of Christ being the, the one who shows us the way. So uh, be in a prayerful spirit. I hope you're open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit as you attend upon this message. If uh, if you don't belong to a church, I'm glad you're 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 coming close to ours in this way. Uh, this Sunday is the Christian Passover. It's the holiest day of the liturgical year. If you uh, observe that, uh, make sure that you're worshiping with the Christian body somewhere. Just let me flatly encourage you there. I think it's absolutely essential in the life of faith to belong to the body of Christ to be regularly, actively engaging in a Christian assembly. Do not forsake the assembling with the saints. So pray about it. Enjoy the word. Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. All right, you may be seated. Uh, we're about to have our Old Testament reading and our psalm. Both are going to be very similar. Both are talking about suffering. 
You know, and so this hymn we just sung about suffering, when through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame will not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume, thy gold to refine. So we're, we're told that God sees us through painful times, makes us stronger through them, and nothing can actually hurt us. When, it, when he's saying the flame shall not hurt thee, flames are going to hurt you. I mean, he said your pain receptors will be activated. But when he's talking about hurt, uh, remember one of the things I want ringing through our heads as we go through the scriptures today is do not fear them. This is Jesus said this in the gospel of Luke. Do not fear them that can hurt your body, destroy your body, kill your body and do nothing else. Rather fear only him that can destroy your body and cast your soul into hell. Remember the, the affirmation of faith we do from Romans when I ask you, can anything separate us from the love of God? And we all say emphatically, no. In all things, we are more than conquerors through the one, one who loved us, right? So there is a lot in our scriptures that make very clear to us, nothing can separate us from God's love. But we live in this era where there's a lot of confusion. Prosperity gospel has sown a lot of confusion. There are a lot of people who've chosen to believe if God loves you, you will not suffer. I don't know how they read their Bibles and believe that. The answer is most of them don't. But the thing is, when you read your Bible, you see not just Jesus suffered. Peter, Paul, Silas, Timothy, all of them suffered. All the early disciples suffered. When you read your Christian history, Christians have suffered throughout history. We've been martyred and persecuted for our faith. Suffering is part of the faith. So we need to figure out how it is that we're supposed to suffer. How do we suffer rightly how do we go about that so these first two readings are going to be old testament readings that they're partly prefigurings of jesus isaiah wrote down isaiah he was given god's word and he he wrote it down and he preached it and then the psalms were written by david both of them talk about how they themselves are called to suffer jesus also it's prefigured in them the way that he suffered but then you and i we have to figure out how is it that we are called to suffer given that we we're part of the same faith as them so we're going we're gonna to do the first two readings, and then I'm going to turn to you and say, what things do you notice about this suffering? And I'm going to make, make it big and broad like that so that you can answer it how you answer it, because I like how you aren't me, and you can think and see things that I don't think and see. So let's welcome our first reader forward. Our first Old Testament reading is from the prophet Isaiah, uh, chapter 50, verses 4 through 9, which you can find on page 1043 in your pew Bibles. Listen for the word of God. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and splitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded, therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me, who will contend with me. Let us stand together. 
Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is that shall, that shall condemn me? The word of the Lord. So hold on to that. And then also, I told y'all to pray for Margie and Roberta, and then whenever it came time to pray, I didn't even pray for them. Both of them are with us online, by the way. Uh, Roberta says, good morning, Jeffrey and church friends. I wish I could be there, but I'm watching from a hospital room. And I assume that's where Margie is as well. So let's pray for them. Father, we thank you for our sisters in faith that have encouraged so many of us. We ask that you would look upon them and show your mercy upon them, heal their bodies, give their spirits delight in uh, being bound to us in the way that they are. It's such an exciting time, Father, to, to just be able to look at these screens and see what's going on uh, in another place. But, Father, we're not bound together by the screens. We're bound together by your Holy Spirit. And so uh, send your spirit to them. Send them to us. That we, uh, that we might know your healing and your power. We thank you for these women and, and ask that you would bless them this morning and in the coming days as their bodies are healed by you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's, uh, let's do our psalm and then we'll, we'll talk about suffering. Our, our psalm is uh, 31. It's on page 764 of your hymnal. And we've sung this response many times before. I'll sing it through once, then y'all join me. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. All right, sing that with me. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never I seek refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net which is hidden from me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to feign idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction and have taken heed of my adversities. You have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Almighty Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have passed out of mind like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, 
terror all around as they scheme together against me as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me through your steadfast love. So that, that had a lot to say about suffering. The previous, uh, did, what things do y'all notice in those passages about suffering? You didn't notice anything. All right, Susie notices something. What did you notice? What do you think that means? I've become like a broken vessel. What does that mean? What's a vessel for? Carrying stuff. There's all kinds of vessels, but if it's broken, can it carry stuff? A lot of us, uh, we're of the mind that we're only good, we're only worthy if uh, we're, we can help. Have you ever, has anyone ever been so debilitated that you really can't do anything for anybody. And at that point, you know, a lot of people get very depressed. if They can't do anything for others. If they're really sick or if their body just doesn't work like it used to. Does God still care about us? Well, that's easy. But here, you know, it's a person talking. I've become like a broken vessel. Was that in, was that in the uh, Isaiah reading? That was in the Psalm? Okay. Yeah, here, let's, let's, uh, I gave my back to smiters. I gave my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, spitting, people spitting in my face. Anyone ever gotten spit in your face before? For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like flint. I know that I shall not be ashamed. I saw this kid one time. It was like a JV boxing league or something. And this one guy just came out and decided he wasn't going to throw a punch at all. And he just let this guy unload on him. And he just stood there like his face like flint. Looked very unpleasant. I think he was, he wasn't doing it in the right spirit. I think he was showing off how tough he was. But even so, it's saying, you know, I'm going to set my face like flint. I'm going to grin. and We have a saying, grin and bear it, right? You know? Uh, there's suffering that's happening. How do I respond to that? I'm become like a broken vessel. I'm not good for anything anymore. I've been broken. You know, we're going to hear the story of Jesus on the day of his crucifixion. They beat the tar out of him. He wasn't able to do anything but just sit on a cross and die. You know, that's how wasted he was. 
the Lord sees that, he blesses that. We, we live in a world where if you can't produce, if you can't do, well, then what are you good for, right? We follow a God who doesn't, there's nothing you can do for him. He doesn't need anything from you. You don't gain your worth by doing for him. You gain your worth by being in him. It's a very different way of being in the world. Both of these, both the, the psalm and the reading from Isaiah, they're both suffering bodily in a very real and tangible way. The other day we were trying to, to corner this wild chicken that's been coming around our chickens. We want to put her in with our chickens. I was trying to film it with my phone, and she flew overhead, and I reach up, and I, I trip on these rocks, and I fall, and I hurt my arm so stinking bad. Oh, it hurts so bad, and I'm just laying on the ground in front of my wife and kids. can't even talk. I'm in so much pain. I'm fine now. But the thing is, pain is a very powerful force, you know. Been a while since I hurt myself like that. I lead a pretty boring life nowadays. But pain, oh man, pain is powerful. And pain is this instinctive thing where like, you know, when we're not in pain, we can be very rational, right? Uh, here's who I want to be in the world. Here's, here are my principles. How much do your principles count for? See if they apply when you're in agonizing pain. If you're in agonizing pain and then you're behaving like a very different person, you're dropping f-bombs and if you're being nasty to people well then you don't have principles or at least the principles you have aren't doing any good for you you haven't integrated them well enough i still have room for sanctification uh according to the way i handled my pain the other day sarah Beth said oh honey did you hurt your arm and i said don't talk to me Ugh. i think i should oh, well, yes, honey, my arm does hurt. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what I should have done. I just know my spirit was not right as I was speaking to my wife, you know. Um, suffering comes for us all. And to a degree, life is suffering, right? How we respond to that is what tests the integrity of our faith. And if we're only ever good and solid when things feel good, well, then how deep does our faith go, quite honestly? I, that's, that's the thing that, you know, we're going to do one more reading, and then we're going to have our gospel reading. And what, I want, what I'm going to say at that point is, watch the other people around Jesus and how they handle suffering whenever it comes. Do we all agree that Jesus did everything perfectly? So if we agree on that, then we look at all the other models today for how to respond to suffering then we need to, you know, I think a lot of people imagine that the reason we have confusion in the world today is because we, we still don't know the thing we need to know. There is something more we need to discover. And I, I don't think that's true. I think we've known for 2,000 years how we ought to be. We just don't like the answer. We need the answer. That's the only thing that will bring us peace, but Satan plants that seed in our head. No, 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 we, we can't do things that way. That doesn't make any sense. So that we keep looking for something new when something new is not going to satisfy. The only thing that satisfies is setting our face like flint, trusting that God will not let us be ashamed, trusting that nothing can separate us from the love of God, trusting that everything is going to be okay, nothing can really harm us. Let's, let's, let's look at the third reading, Philippians chapter 2. I'd welcome that reader forward.
Our New Testament reading is from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, which you can find on page 1655 in your pew Bibles. Listen again for the word of God. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Bodie is a preacher I like a lot, and he was giving a, a sermon on suffering, and he was really going against the prosperity gospel thing. He was talking with people who just say, oh, I don't think God wants me to suffer. He says, let me get this straight, and I'm going to butcher it says, let me get this straight. God poured out his wrath on his only begotten son as his body was broken on the cross and he suffered an agonizing pain for hours. And then he descended to the realm of the dead where he did spiritual uh, battle for two days after that. He's willing to pour out all his rage and wrath in that direction, give all this pain to his only beloved son. But you, he wouldn't want to see unhappy, huh? And that makes things pretty clear. That when God loves you, that does not mean that he saves you from pain. In fact, would we all agree that he probably loves his only begotten son, if anything, more than us? What if suffering is an opportunity to see that God loves you? What if suffering is something that draws you closer to Christ, closer to God, closer to salvation? I think that's where the scriptures direct us. And here in Philippians, Jesus, the only begotten son of the father, he knew that that was the pathway going forward. He took the form of a servant. He became a human uh, a, of a peasant family, led 33 years in the lower income uh, bracket of that era and lived, a, a, by all accounts, a pretty normal life, which according to our standards today would be quite miserable suffered a painful death on a cross. And that death on the cross, that's not when God had abandoned him or things had gone wrong. That was the moment of glory when Christ was saving us, when God was saving us through his son, Jesus. Suffering is not evidence of God's absence. Suffering can be evidence of God's love. The Lord disciplines the one whom he loves. But it is possible, in fact, it's normal for suffering to come our way, and for us growing closer to Christ being the last thing on our mind. We get into that animal mode going, make it end, make it stop. Oh, the pain's got to stop. And that's, you know, I don't know if you, watch yourself next time you have some pain. If you're losing your mind, you need to get control of yourself. Because that's, I mean, Satan, I think we all imagine Satan comes to us at our most rational. I don't know why we imagine that. He comes to us at our least rational when things are most desperate. 
And if you have not conditioned yourself to perform well in those times, it's not going to go well. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is God to the glory of God the Father. It's time for us to sing a, a hymn, number 168, that has those words from Philippians. It's on page 168 of your hymnal, At the Name of Jesus. TJ, is Sarah Beth over there? She's going this way with a crying baby. So with our last reading here, I already told you what I was going to ask you to do is I want you to pay attention to how it is that people around Jesus suffer and then how it is that Jesus suffers. Or really how it is that the people around him respond to the reality of suffering. So a lot of them choose not to suffer, spoiler alert. Or they choose to inflict suffering on others, spoiler alert. Look at the path that Jesus walks. 
This is going to be a longer reading, so just camp out, pay attention. If you haven't read this portion for a while, enjoy it. This is Matthew 26, verse 14, through chapter 7, 27, verse 66. You can find it beginning on page 1383 of your pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of God. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Jesus, sorry, then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, Yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. 
And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priests and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword in his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me then. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet they found none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? Nothing? What is it which these people witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, he's guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him. And others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him, Unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by 
and said to Peter, Surely thou art also one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. <clears throat> and began he to curse and swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. And then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for us to put them in the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet, saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered, Nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest Thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate called unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will you that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. 
And after that, they had mocked, them, mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head the accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake and the cocks rent. Cocks, rocks, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which had slept arose, and came out of their graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now, when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women were there beholding afar off which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, the mother of Mary and, uh, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remembered that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, Lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so that the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. This is the word of the Lord. 
Good job. Everybody's still awake except for one or two. Um, you're doing all right. So the things I would have us point out are the disciples knew a time of suffering was coming. Last week, whenever we read the story of Lazarus and they were going into the danger zone, remember Thomas said, let us go and die with Jesus. They knew there was going to come a time where their lives would be demanded of them. And yet when the time came, they didn't do very well. Okay, so that night they needed to go to, to war and prayer in Gethsemane. But again and again, they fell asleep. And what was the thing Jesus said? He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's what we're up against. You and me and, and everybody else who says they love Jesus, heck, we're, you know, ask me right now. I'm willing to die with Jesus. I'm willing to die for Jesus. But put me in a, in a park in the middle of the night and nobody's around. There's a gang of hoodlums. I don't know what's going to happen. That's what happened here. And at first, you know, to their credit, they try and stand and fight, but that's not what Jesus wants, is it? You know, they draw their sword, they cut off the ear, and Jesus says, put your sword away. And I can imagine one of the disciples saying, what, you mean you want us to just like roll over and let them have us? And the answer to that seems to be, yeah. We're like lambs being led to the slaughter. You know, I, I imagine what it was like for those kids in the Christian school and the teachers this week as there was someone who just hated that she seems to have been motivated entirely by hate. You know, there are people who hate Christians because they see us. Historically, we're the ones raising the banner of Christ Jesus and saying, this is how he taught us to live. We should all live this way. We shouldn't do these things. We should do these things. And the people that want to do these things say, shut up. And then at a certain point, things escalate to the point of pain and even killing. And right now, it's just crazy imbalanced people doing it. But, I mean, we've seen it happen in other societies where they decide Christians are the problem and and societies organize against Christians and torture, beat, steal from, kill Christians. And that's the point at which we really find out how much our faith is worth, how much our principle, because our call is not to organize Christian militias and go and take the sword and cut off ears. Jesus says, put away the sword. Are you with me or not? And a lot of people at that point go, not. <laughs> I don't want to just sit and get killed like some sheep. But that's the story here. That's how Jesus, and you know what? When he was put on trial, did he even defend himself? He didn't even defend himself. He didn't even speak up to defend himself. He just let them have their way with him, and they did. But lest we feel sorry for Jesus, where is he right now? He's at the right hand of the Father in the highest heavens being praised by angels continually. We are very clear on that from our Philippians reading today. And I take a great deal of comfort knowing that those who die for being Christians, they're considered martyrs. They're the ones that are in God's altar right now in his presence at all times, according to Revelation. And those kids that thought they were going about a normal day in life, just going through life in this Christian, I take a lot of joy knowing that God sees that and that we know what happens to martyrs, and it's a good thing. So as sad as I am about it, 
I believe that God's promises are, if, 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 if there were no rewards for those who died for the faith, then I think we'd be idiots. But what we're told is that if we can live and die as Jesus did, not defending ourselves, not hurting others, but just accepting suffering and death as it comes along the way and trusting that Christ will be with us through it and on the other side of it, Whether or not we like it, that's the deal. The reward is so much greater than anything we could ask for. The cost seems big right now, but it's not. I mean, in eternity, we're going to look back and go, that was so easy. The exhortation today, friends. Come Good Friday, we'll, we'll tell the story again from a different gospel. But the exhortation today is prepare for suffering. You've already been through some. Maybe you've done it perfectly. Odds are you haven't. More suffering is coming. And make sure that when that day comes, you're not giving in to the pain and going nuts. Make sure that you stand on your Christian principles. You comport yourself like Jesus did and trust that he's with you through it and on the other side of it.